And welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't done so yet, check out our weekly emails where I share actionable website, SEO and marketing tips, useful goodies, podcasts, and more. Why not give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Jamie Pagan. Jamie's the marketing director over at Selligence. Jamie, welcome to the show, sir. How are we doing? Hello, thank you. Yeah, it was a brilliant introduction. It's kind of showing me up on my usual uh, introductions that I do on my episodes. But yeah, great to be here. No worries, man. Got to got to get a bit of a buzz, bit of excitement because uh, in, until the show, I was, I was half asleep, so it's about time I woke up. But that said, we're going to be talking today on a fresh topic. We're going to be talking about sales triggers. And how in B2B they can supercharge your marketing efforts. New topic for the show. So looking forward to, to diving into the ins and outs of sales triggers. So first and foremost, Jamie, what the heck is, is a sales trigger? Okay, it's, uh, it's nice and simple. So try, try not to worry too much. So sales triggers is basically a range of events that happen triggering an opportunity for business change. So they can be known as sales triggers, trigger events, event triggers, market triggers, um, basically tons of names floating around depending on what sort of industry you work in. Um, but as a B2B marketer or whether you're in B2B sales, it's a great indication that that business is going to go through uh, a degree of change in the next three to six months, which is why they could be so valuable. Got it. Okay. And are they specifically focused around business change or is there quite a number of things they can impact? There, I mean, there's an exhaustive list of triggers we, we we track 116 just to give you an example of the sort of the breadth of it and in with within each of those 116 you've got subcategories as well so i think we're, we're going to run through some of the um some of the sure. top ones and i think you'll get an indication of sort of you know how useful they can be um varying degrees of course definitely definitely yeah we'll jump into some of the key ones and how you can actually use those insights and data to to drive leads drive sales leads and drive revenue for your B2B company. Um, but why are sales triggers important? Why should companies be considering looking at them? I think, um, as I said, whether it's marketing or sales, one of the biggest issues or the age-old problems is knowing when to reach out or when to target prospects, right? You could mm. spend a lot of money targeting prospects at the at the wrong time. I think yeah. I saw a stat the other day that says the average B2B buying journey is circa 300 and 300 plus days now from the first point at which they know about you to the point at which it's closed one. That's a hell of yeah. a long time. So by having these triggers at hand, it means that you can try and target them at the opportune moment with a message that is relevant to the business change that they are likely to be going through in, in the next three to six months. So triggers can basically help um, with that timing and relevancy mm. of the message as well. Nice. And are they a fa fairly recent thing? Because like you say, Jamie, B2B typically sales cycles depend often depending on kind of the, the ticket size or how how much of an investment your offer, your solution, your technology is, and then how many decision makers it might take to to be involved in the process can impact sales cycle, whether it's a week, two weeks, a month, a year to to actually make the deal get over the line. A sales trigger is something that's been around for a long time or are they something that's come into play fairly recently? Because I haven't heard of them probably until 
up until a few months ago, I think. I think the triggering events themselves have obviously they're actually when we get into it you'll realize the triggering events are stuff that you'll know about already it's i think what's coming around in perhaps the last six to 12 months is actually the value in tracking them and how they can help you reach out with relevancy and at the right time so i think the perception of their value is relatively new but they've always been around got it understood well let's dive in let's not be around the bush let's talk about some of the the key sales triggers that B2B organizations should be looking at and, and the impact they can have on, on your business. Brilliant. So we, we, we do have, um, as I said, an exhaustive list of 116 that we could go through. I've picked top 10. If we can get through them, great, but we'll, we'll run down the list. So the first one is key person change. So this is exactly what it says on the tin. Someone changes their job title on LinkedIn. It gets tracked as a key person change. Um, let's just hypothetically say PayPal lose their head of compliance to Sky. Uh, then that is a key person change that may indicate that that business is going to be investing in compliance related technology in the coming months. Um, key person change, just to give you a bit of a fact, the the average is in the first 100 days of a C-suite or senior leader moving into a role, they spend 70% of their budget. So if you're tracking that trigger, you know, right, that person's moved into that roles. In the next 100 days, they're going to yeah. be big so this is a great opportunity for me to reach out to the head of compliance and say that i can help them ramp up as quickly as possible mm. yeah. yeah 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 definitely especially if like you say they've got 70 percent of their budget is typically what they uh, are ready to spend um in terms of outreach is that something that we should cover after we've gone through some of the the key triggers or is there like a best practice that we can talk about when it comes to actually enabling your team to reach out because we've had that trigger, we've seen that that's that's happened within that organisation. I think um, I think logically, let's um, let's do it is uh, per trigger. So key person change, someone moves into um, a role. The outreach is going to be sort of tailored in terms of the messaging. It's like you think about the the head of compliance. That example, they're going to be under pressure uh, in that the first you know few months perhaps the first two to four weeks they're going to be getting their feet under the table they're going to be assessing just observing and it's in month two and month three where a bulk of that right i need to scope out where there's gaps i need to look at new tech and you often find people who move to a company will actually bring the tech that they had at their previous company with them so again it's a slightly different nuance to that trigger if you've got a customer champion and they move to a new role you haven't necessarily lost them because you can pitch them at their new company so there's a slight there's a slight nuance uh nuance there Mm, got it and in terms of marketing is there anything you tend to do with this data from a marketing perspective whether it's kind of serving them ads or, I don't know, looking at some kind of unusual campaign that can impact them because they have had that job change? Yeah, I think that in terms of, um, let's just take ads as as the example, I think you could almost like think of it as a retargeting campaign, but except you know that they've changed role in the last 90 days. You could have a 90-day layer of ads that are talking to people who have moved into a new role recently. And then it feels like hyper-personalized messaging, which, as we all know, can yield way way higher results than you know bone cold um outreach um and and you've got to think about is as well you're you're going to be far more open to new technology or technology that you've used previously 
in that in that scenario so you might be clicking on a lot more ads than you you might have previously um been engaged with if you've been at a company four or five years with existing processes and, and systems so it's a great window to target people mm. and do you find from your experience that these prospects that have recently changed roles uh have get much in the way of advertisements or actual sales outreach is it quite often your team will reach out to them and they'll they'll find that they're being hounded or is it quite a nice opportunity because it's quite the opposite and actually they they're quite quite happy to receive some form of outreach or sales call or marketing collateral uh, to, to be honest like we were sort of uh, alluding to i think it's becoming a bit more fashionable uh, the key yeah. person change trigger itself is becoming a lot more well-known and fashionable so you do often find like i um i changed my job title on linkedin um a few months back just a, a promotion and the number sure. of um, outreaches I had off the back of that promotion um, was uh, was quite surprising. So in all honesty, like just a bit of advice, don't reach out initially, like just because a triggering event has fired, it doesn't mean you should reach out straight away. There's obviously a skill in knowing that event has fired the optimal yeah. time to reach out is not the next day because they're probably <laughs> going to be getting 20 emails from uh, from people who are who are trying to sell or market to them with ads. Lost in a thousand LinkedIn messages. Yeah. <laughs> Destined for the graveyard. Cool, man. Let's let's move on to the next trigger. Okay, so this is a, a very well-known one, funding rounds. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, crunch base, big name, but funding rounds have been, a, a been around for um, ages. So a company goes out um, for financing, raises money from investors in exchange for a quantity of the company. The chances are that funding has taken place because they're looking to grow out a particular area of the business. They're looking to expand into a new region. Uh, let's just take an example of your, uh, you've seen big success in the UK, you raise 90 million to expand into the US. Now, when you've got that big influx of money, there's obviously a lot of pressures in terms of, right, we've given you that money. We want to see the numbers come in. Typically, that means you're going to be spending money on, on new tools, new people, you know, you know, hiring candidates. Um, so it's a great opportunity um, to reach out to offer your services to help in, in that growth um, period. Again, I will say, if someone gets funding, uh, Lavender, this is a great example. They got funding and they said they had about 100 emails the very next morning. Um, <laughs> don't reach out the day of people getting funding. It's it's the worst time to do it, but put it in the bank. Trigger a triggering event has fired. They're going to be spending money or hiring new people in the next three to six months. So that's, uh, that's the second trigger. Mm. And any nice ways that you suggest people reach out rather than just congrats on the funding round? Here's my offer. Book a demo. Honestly, I would um, I would get creative with it. So they're going to get, as I said, 100 emails saying congrats on the raise. Congrats on the 100 million raise. We can help you. I would just be just have fun with it. You know, say um, I don't know, I'm sure you've had 100 emails. So I'll cut right to the chase you know, short and sweet, something like that, or um, 90 million uh, or, you know, funding rounds are great. I'd imagine the pressure's ramped up. Let me help with the pressure, you know, be really conversational, informal with it. And I think that's what's going to help you stand out. GIFs, videos, send them a voice note on LinkedIn, even joking that they've probably had a hundred emails already about the, the funding rounds. Um, so just try and get creative with it. I like it. Cool. That's number two. What, what have we got up next, sir? So number three, IPOs. So this, I, I guess this is kind of similar um, to, yeah. to funding in a way. So initial public offering, um, you know, this refers to a, an, a, 
an event where it can lead to the sale of company shares. Um, so a private company would offer its shares to the public for the full first time, allowing investors to buy a stake in the company. Now, in terms of what that tells you, there's sort of three sort of key things. Company performance, obviously IPO suggests the company's doing pretty well. Um, second would be market conditions. So shifts in consumer behaviors or economic trends can also impact a company leading them to IPO. Um, if there's a successful IPO, that would suggest there's significant interest in the company services with a stronger backing. It's likely set for new growth. So you imagine you have a successful IPO. Chances are it's going to be an interest in 12 to 24 months following that. Um, big, big targets, big, big growth aspirations. Um, and then I think the third is probably that investor um, sentiment. So you mm. think if there's a, a it's, it heavily indicates that an investor, uh, investors are confident in short, a lack of, a lack of interest in the, the IPO suggests that the, the company could be on a bit of shaky ground and they've IPO'd, I don't know, try and get some cash in the door from, uh, from it, it, you know, public, more public investors. So you can, you can determine a lot from the success of an IPO in terms of how well the company's doing and, you know, what's going to be happening to that company over the next 12 to 24 months, as I said, um, quite easy to to track obviously if you've got a platform that does it great but google alerts company pages press releases chances are you're probably going to see it on linkedin as well um so you're sort of your, your standard channels yeah. yeah yeah and i guess like you say it's a similar kind of thing to to funding it's showing business success it's showing business change it's showing growth's happening so it makes sense to reach out and see if there's a gap for your your offer yeah. or a problem your solution fixes exactly yeah nice tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on google for the main services or products you offer or maybe you're already investing in seo or marketing but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads or perhaps you already work with a web or seo agency but they're just not getting you the results they promised let's fix that Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with results today. Okay, let's proceed on to number four. Expansion plans. So this is essentially when a company would announce expansion plans. So a number of factors can come into play. In short, it's kind of saying if a company is growing in whatever manner that may be, it's indicating the growth in terms of, I think, new team or unit, team growth, regional growth, business area, general expansion. All of those are going to require you know, HR management tools, for example, from a you know, from a candidate perspective, um, if they're expanding, um, you know, in terms of like offices, you think about the physical space, the buildings, the the stuff that goes into those offices. Yep. So when a company says, look, we're looking to expand um, our headcount. Great. I mean, as a recruiter, fantastic. As a marketer, <laughs> great. You just you, you're planning to add 100 new people in the next 12 months. How are you onboarding them? How are you training them? Do you need, you know, a HR management tool? 
that you that you don't currently have. All those sorts of sort of uh, indications come into play when a company announces an expansion plan. Yeah, and how that sounds a little bit trickier to track unless it's been announced. How would you understand that a company's going through that? So I would say Google Alerts is probably the most common. So in terms of like phrases like company plans to expand as a phrase or announces new office would be another phrase that you could yep. sort of set up. So, you know, let's use the PayPal example. PayPal announces new office in Cardiff. Great. You know, you've, if you're a recruiter in that area, fantastic. If you're um, marketing, um, you know, and you focus on the UK, then great. Um, you know, it's a, it's a opportunity for you to um, start tracking that company or start targeting that company. You can also look at um, RSS feeds, um, company press release pages if you want something a bit more manual. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, Google alerts with certain key phrases. They always use the same phrase when companies announce expansion plans. So you can kind of get those set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Cool. And we go to number five. So this leads on quite nicely, actually. So number five is is new office. Um, I don't need to tell you what a new office announcement is. That's nice and simple. But there are varying um, sort of levels of new office. So you've got headquarters, uh, office, branch, center of excellence, R&D and tech hubs, for example, data centers. And each one of those is going to tie, uh, tell you something slightly different. So if we take the center of excellence, um, which is slightly different, um, it tends to be a shared facility where a focus goes to best practice, research and development, you know, operations managers, that sort of stuff. So it's a great opportunity for referrals, um, R&D tech hub. You think the number of opportunities, if they're spending a good few million on a new R&D and tech hub for people who might be marketing, I don't know, physical products in terms of printing machines. Um, a good example, I think, is uh, you think Tesla, right? When Tesla opened a new gigafactory, yeah, I mean, fantastic opportunity for you to start thinking about reaching out from a sales perspective, you know, targeting to try and fuel that pipeline from a marketing perspective as well. So the, the R&D tech hub designated for research and development for improved products, services, or processes. Um, a new hub will need the best solutions in place to allow them yeah. for, allow for innovations and, and um, creativity. So it's, it's usually a sizable investment in a short space of time. Got it. So there seems to be a bit of a theme so far on the five we've had out of the 10. A lot of them are around expansion, growth, and similar. Are there any that are a bit going in the opposite direction? Are they ever like yeah. problem-based? Are they ever like, Oh, we can see you've had this kind of issue, and that you might tell yep. me that the other five actually do involve all this. Well, numbers number six, funnily enough, <laughs> is uh, is non-compliance. So, ah. um, yeah, th to your point, there, there definitely are um, a large chunk of sales triggers that suggest that a company is either not doing as well as it could be, or they're in a sticky situation, um, right. or you know that sort of stuff. So, non-compliance, pretty simple. Um, investigated by a regulator, investigated for data privacy failures um, investigated for um, a section 166 fines you know that's a that's a great one if a company's been fined um, this is quite a, like you said it's quite a good one because if you're um, a recruiter 
who recruits for compliance, we'll use that example again, then it's a great opportunity to try and place a new director of compliance in a company that's just been fined for a lack of procedure in compliance. Same for marketing. If you have a SaaS-based compliance platform, um, great opportunity for you to start targeting. Now, if a company, I, I will say, if a company has been fined, um, that's probably too late to be starting to market to them because they essentially have a very, very short period of time to fix that issue. Like you're talking within 30 to 60 days, they're going to want to have um, new staff in place or new procedures in place. So it's um, you want to probably focus on the investigation side of it. So if someone's being investigated, that would be a good time because obviously they probably haven't made any plans in terms of, wow, we've just got a large fine. We better mm. sort it out. So that would be probably focus on the investigator, uh, investigatory side of, of things with that one. Yeah, I'd imagine you'd have to tread quite carefully when approaching these companies that are perhaps going through, depending on how severe the issue is and the impact it's having on yeah. their business or employees or revenue, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to call them straight away and just say, "Oh yeah, I see you got like you're about to get a hundred grand fine or whatever it might be." And I see you've con- conducted this mal- malconduct or misconduct rather. You don't want to yeah. piss them off on on the first outreach, I guess. Yeah, for sure. You're not going to say, "Oh hi, uh, hi Bob, commiserations on the twenty million um, <laughs> fine you've just had." Anyway, we you know we can help. But I, I think again, like at the end of the day, if a company is in that sort of situation, then they absolutely will be looking to remedy it. So that's probably quite an interesting one where you're in a situation where almost like when someone's um, broken their bones, they need someone to set the bone, right? So the doctors in that situation are very similar to people who are going to be offering their services to help, you know, mitigate those sort of compliance risks. So it's, it's, yeah, have some tact with it, but at the end of the day, they're going to be needing uh, a service or, or product. I guess a lot of it is around timing, like you say, because if you're too late, then they've probably already sorted it out. Um, yep. Just getting it right with that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, like I said, try and focus probably more on the in, in when they're at the point of in, being investigated. Um, you might actually just get an announcement of the breach ahead of that investigation being announced. So again, you know, have a look at the, the breaches. Um, that would be a great trigger um, to, to look at. And to be honest, I wouldn't have thought too many people will be tracking that sort of stuff in terms mm. of, you know, because like you said, a lot of people are probably focusing on the really nice positive things, but there's a, there's a lot, there's a big opportunity to be had on the negative side of things. And the thing is people move from pain a lot faster than they move towards goals or pleasure or those kind of things. So yeah, I'm guessing. I, I hate, I, I hate that it's a lot easier and a lot more, or you get a lot more value for money out of pain points because it'd be nice for it to be positive, right? Like, to to not have to speak to pain points but it's um i think someone used the metaphor before it's like it's easier to sell someone um sell someone a new pair of shoes if the shoes are rubbing you know that sort of uh, metaphor um so yeah for sure Mm. yeah 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 fair play okay let's move on to number seven sir uh, again, quite a nice, let's say negative one, not nice, negative one, but negative. So legal, legal dispute. So it refers yep. to a conflict or disagreement between two or more parties that arises from a, a business related matter. Um, and that's going to require a resolution through legal means. Um, so any company facing legal dispute will be looking to tighten up on its procedures. So we, we sort of such a, talked about the procedures previously, but the outcome of a legal dispute could have significant consequences f- 
for that the parties involved financial penalty penalties damages so you know fa- a company facing legal action is a kind of tarnished reputation to to a degree so it's reassuring clients and investors will be top of the to-do list so mm. you know they they might look to bolster let's say certain things to to reassure investors and clients um and then if you go sort of down to the other end of loses a legal battle you know bad news for a company in this situation obviously but they'll be facing a costly bill but also damage the reputation so you think okay they're facing a costly bill are there going to be cost cutting implications here um you know if you're a tool that is uh undercuts your competitor in the market and you can also apply a filter to say that that company who's gone through a legal dispute uses one of your competitors. Good opportunity to start targeting with some price-based um, ads, for example. That would be a nice um, sort, of, sort of highly targeted, hyper-personalized um, approach. Got it. Um, and in terms of these last two we've discussed, so the, the non-compliance and legal disputes, I'm guessing the best approach there is more sales-led rather than trying to feed the marketing content or ads or things like that? Because I'd imagine the marketing stuff would just be too slow, whereas you've got to go straight in with the, the, the sales team, whether that's email call or similar. Yeah, I, I think in a, in a way as well, for me, if I saw an ad that was, let's say, alluding to the fact that uh, you know, there was some sort of legal dispute, it'd be a bit of a weird ad to see in my feed. Um, like, hey, we know you were just fined fancy a chat like you know yeah i think that'd be a bit of a weird one but yeah perhaps more on the from a outbound sales point of view gotcha okay let's let's hit up number eight uh another negative one so cyber security issue um i mean this is this is a great one right so cyber security huge huge market big big amounts uh, of money to be had here so again um a potential breach a confirmed breach or a an order to enhance your protocol. Um, if you think about the you know, order to enhance your protocol, that means companies facing that mandate are going to have to demonstrate that they've um, taken the appropriate measures, which will involve tools, candidates, you know, tools, people. Um, and that's a, a great opportunity for someone in cybersecurity, cybersecurity platform to reach out. Or um, like I said, if, if a company's got a potential breach, great opportunity to start marketing as they progress potentially progress through that potential breach confirmed breach order to enhance protocol because um i think companies are probably not going to invest in enhancing those protocols until they've been ordered to do so because to a degree they haven't gone through the full investigation and been told this isn't good enough this isn't good enough so they kind of don't know what they need to um necessarily enhance um mm. but if you're in the cybersecurity space uh, and you you market for that product or solution or you sell it you're going to have a very good understanding of what breach has been announced and therefore what they're going to require and you think about it they could be looking for help and assistance in that period mm. so just from a relationship building if you can offer free help yeah that's going to be a great you know a great method of of reach out there is there a way from your experience jamie to make sure that the triggers that you're looking for, i.e. I'm going to tailor five or so triggers that are specifically relevant to my target market. Um, Because some of these are great because they can be used in a a bunch of industries. But have you seen a way where I, I don't know, we sell a SaaS solution to financial advisors, whatever, um, or it could be a different industry. 
Um, but we're going to tailor. So we, we go after triggers that are, that are hyper relevant to our ICPR or client profile. Um, Cause I'm guessing you can do it somehow. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I mean, that's just hundred plus triggers. Some of those are not going to be relevant at all to people in certain industries. Like if you're, I mean, funding rounds, that's pretty much across everyone, right? That's, that's sure. great. Companies got funding, but there are going to be some sort of hyper niche ones. Like if, again, if you're in cybersecurity, you would want to focus on a cybersecurity issue, but you're not going to want to look at a cybersecurity issue if you've got no relation to that from a, from a tool perspective. So what we, what, what we would find is that let's just say in terms of someone saying, how do I go about starting to track those triggers? There would either need to be some exploratory process during that that phase or the person who's been in that industry one to two years probably already mm. knows the the triggers that they might be looking for in terms of this um announcement suggests that they're going to be a, an icp um i mean some of the some of the triggers could be a company for example announcing that they've signed a partnership and they might have signed a partnership with a competitor. So, a great, you know, that would be specific to a certain competitor, a trigger based on a, on a, on a keyword um, uh, of a partnership or product launch, for example. Again, yeah. that could be pretty, pretty tightly tailored to uh, a particular vertical. Got it. Nice one. All right, let's wrap up nine and 10 for the, the top triggers. Cool. So number nine, um, financial results announcement kind of links to the you know the previous or on the same sort of theme as the the funding rounds and the ipos so you know funding announcements good or bad both of them are going to tell you something so positive results a company with increased profits is is likely to be interested in bd so there they've seen rapid growth they're going to want to expand the team great do you need a bigger better crm do you need a new lead generation tool i think companies that announce positive results you think of it like that's great but you've also got that pressure that follows it of like you've had a great year you want to keep it up and you might start to see that positive results okay we're plateauing slightly is there anything more we can do let's get a new bd tool perhaps we're doing really great we've expanded the team but we want to increase efficiencies so you they might be looking at tools that help them increase efficiencies all in one platform like you know that, that sort of thing Monetary loss on the flip side, a company that's losing money is going to be looking to reevaluate its tech stack, for example, or, or resources. So you if you're marketing an all-in-one platform, great. You rather you can market, you know, market with the, the position of consolidating uh you know expensive tech stacks down into one tool. Yeah. Um from a sales or staffing or recruit staffing and recruitment, you know, monetary loss probably probably going to mean layoffs um so there could be candidates available um so that's from a, a staffing point of view but um yeah mon monetary loss tells you just as much as a um, positive results announcement profit warning pre-release uh, pre announcement dividend announcement so dividend dividends you think if a company sharing wealth through dividend payouts is usually is usually more established and stable it's a good indicator that the company has very stable cash flow and they're generating steady profits so if they've got you know good cash flow and steady pro uh, profits with dividends they're going to have a sizable amount of budget to just test like they're, they're always going to be looking for new tools to seeing seeing how they can just take it to the next level so yeah financial results how to track it you've got sec filings earning calls industry news um you know, 
Google alerts, company pages, press releases, that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Financial based. I guess there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot you can take it depending on how good they are, how positive the results are, how negative they are, depending on how you want to flip it that's relevant yeah, to, to your offer. You take LinkedIn, LinkedIn as an example. I know that there's a targeting um, sort of filter um, in LinkedIn where you can target based on company growth. So you can actually target companies who've seen negative growth um as well on linkedin so that's a great opportunity for okay negative growth like we said money saving so if mm. you if one of your um key value propositions is that you're 50 percent cheaper than your the main competitor in the market and you're just as good great like that's a great sort of little niche to target again if a company has seen 20 percent plus growth and you and you market for a hr related platform or a, an efficiency based platform yeah. Again, fantastic little um, sort of targeting niche there. Lovely job. And was that was that number nine or number ten? That was number nine. Number ten is a is a negative one. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're we're going to finish on a negative, unfortunately. Um, but I think everyone's going to be very well versed in this one. So job loss and layoffs. Um, no need for the the explanation here. But a job loss trigger event is not obviously is normally a bad sign um for a company typically um cuts are only made when a company needs to realign its spend to avoid more critical scenarios um but like a mass layoff would suggest cost cutting exercise to the point previously you know if it, if you're one of your value props is financial great um but it's worth remembering like where headcount is cut normally the company will need to improve um, will need to improve its services and increase efficiencies, which is that the play on like the targeting there. It's also certain companies may announce layoffs. I think Google announced layoffs in one division, but that right. doesn't mean as a company they're doing terribly. It just means that they're realigning their priorities. So quite often you'll find when that's the case, a company will announce that they're having layoffs, but they sort of say, okay, we're, we're laying off in this area, but we're doubling down elsewhere. So there can be positive things to take from a from a job loss a, a announcement. So it's 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 important to sort of really read into the reasons behind that job loss. Is it mass job job loss because of revenue, or is it that they had a two to three year project that's wrapping up? It wasn't as successful, so they're investing in in, in other areas. Mm. Nice one, man. Well, there, yeah, there's there's a decent list there. And there's there's a lot of those that I wasn't really expecting or hadn't really thought, and I'm sure the audience is the same, of when it comes to how you can actually use that data to your company's advantage. Because um, a lot of ways that you can spin it, isn't there, depending on whether you go positive, whether you go negative, whether you think about the impact it's having on the organization and so on. Um, in terms of, we talked a little bit about sales outreach and a little bit about how you can use the data for marketing. Are there any unusual ways, either on a sales front or marketing front, that you've seen people utilize triggers that are perhaps a little bit lesser known or a bit different? I tell you what, we we had a an interesting uh, use case. Let's call it that some, someone was using um, tr- various triggering events um, for podcast outreach. So right. great, we're on a we're on a podcast now. So what they were actually doing is monitoring for certain sales triggers. And then they were using that as the trigger for them to reach out and say, um, we notice X has happened. We, we would love to speak to you. We, you know, we've had companies X, Y, and Z um, 
on previously and we think you'd be great to share um, your expertise and knowledge um, in that area with our listeners so you think about that key person change again um, if someone's a key person change and they've had a promotion um, to a director of sales and you've got a sales podcast great they're going to have some fantastic success stories that they can sort of share and 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 advice so yeah podcast outreach probably not uh, the most the most obvious one um but some of the other 100 plus triggers that you know we could go through there are some really like small you know little ones um that you might not um think about um like rebranding companies will announce rebranding quite often oh yeah yeah, yeah. great op- great opportunity for an agency to reach out great opportunity for for anything sort of related to that so yeah, there's some you can get some, you can get really creative. I think the, an easy way to think about it is everyone knows what intent data is, right? So a, a, a signal that a person could be interested in your offering based on their their behavior, their digital behavior. So think of sales triggers as pre-intent data. So right. when a company, when a triggering event fires for that company. Um, whether that's a layoff or a financial results announcement, likely what's going to happen following that announcement is that people in that company are then going to start looking at products or services that are going to help them, you know, with that trigger event, strategic objective, whatever you want to call it. So that's a a nice way of thinking about it. Like we all target on intent signals, right? We all uh, reach out in sales from intense intense signals. Trails triggers are a wave of a flag to say, as a company, this has happened. You know, I'm ripe for a, a conversation in this three to six month period. It's almost like it's getting in early before yeah. that prospect might go to, especially in a B two B environment, like two or three vendors. I don't know, do a Google search, check out a review site, click some kind of ad, whatever. They go to the website, request three demos and compare them. You're almost getting in early, aren't you? Exactly. So a lot of those triggers, like you'd say the funding round, that's funding round announcements actually probably quite late in terms of like a company is not going to announce its funding publicly until it's actually probably, that's probably been six to 12 months in the making, right? So there's going to be certain triggers that would have fired in that six to 12 months prior to that announcement. And you think about today's world, whether it be marketing or sales, from a marketing perspective, what you're trying to do is get people aware of your brand as early as possible, build trust, build rapport, educate them for free. And then when it comes down to 300 days or I don't know, say 200 days later and they go, we are actually looking for a tool. Oh, wait, the company that I've been following and you know reading great content off for the last 200 days they do actually offer that so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna request a demo and the same goes for sales you can use the triggers as an opportunity for you to start building in the relationship now we're not talking hard sales like on the phone the day after like we said it's like it gives you an indication that you want to keep them on your radar and maybe from a social selling perspective Mm. connect with them start engaging with them on linkedin having conversations on LinkedIn that don't necessarily relate to sales, sharing, you know, sharing free advice or free leads or whatever it is with them. Mm. And they will, they will come, they will, they'll see you as a trustworthy um, rep or trustworthy company and they will come to you. Very much a nurture play. It sounds like on some of the stuff. Nice one. Jamie, look, appreciate you coming on. 
sharing advice all around sales triggers and how to utilize those to your advantage. So with that, please do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about yourself, your company, and anywhere you want to send the audience. Brilliant. I'll keep it nice and uh, short and sweet. I think if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, it's just Jamie Pagan. Um, I share stuff every single day to do with sales triggers, carousels, videos. We've got our own podcast as well on, on that topic. Um, but if you want to find out more about sales triggers, um, then all you need to do is type in what are sales triggers on Google and you will find Selligence on the first page. Um, there's a great blog um, that talks about all 116 that we track personally, which is a really great place to start um, and sort of educate yourself. And we also have loads of videos um, sort of touching on each of those sales triggers if you want a bit more of a deep dive um, on each of you. So yeah, selligence.com and there's tons of resources on there if you want to start looking at um, sales triggers. And of course, feel free to reach out and message me on LinkedIn um, just for advice, tips, any questions like that. Um, always happy to help. Legend. Good to see the SEO game is strong as well. Always, yeah. Uh, I know we we've had the old conversation on on LinkedIn chat about um sort of the SEO and, and stuff, and it's uh it's always nice when you're page one. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man, for sure. And we'll put all of those links over in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show, Jamie. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel is appreciated. Or if you're on YouTube, a quick subscribe goes a long way. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one for more no BS, B2B marketing tips to grow your business, grow your revenue. Catch you soon.